Well, you've probably heard it said many times that Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic. And there are some statistics that would support that theory. 11 of the 39 parables are all about money. One in every seven verses that are, that are attributed to Jesus were about money. But as any good statistician will tell you, and I started a PhD in that, <laughs> numbers can easily be manipulated to sell the agenda of the storyteller. Yes, Jesus spoke about money a lot. But he also talked a whole lot about food. Have you noticed that? 18 of the 39 parables mention food. Why does that statistic not come out? So the question becomes, what is Jesus really trying to teach us? What is at the heart of any parable? Is it really about money or food or pearls or sheep? Well, we are about to have some more words with Jesus. <laughs> this is one of those I wish Jesus hadn't said that moments. So we're going to look at the parable and we're going to take the most obvious subject that's right on top, money. More importantly, we're going to look at verse 14. We're going to start with verse 14 to hear what the church folk had to say about Jesus' teaching around money. The Pharisees, that's us, that's the church folk. Whenever you see that word, point the finger at yourself, right? The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all of this and they ridiculed Jesus. Now be honest, which of you, in hearing that the master commended his dishonest manager for swindling him out of what was truly the master's, rolled your eyes or raised your brows? Really? Not only are you going to like be a dishonest manager, but now you're going to have the bills changed? So I don't even know what the books are? <laughs> Were any of you confused? Oh, thank you. Is this how you would run your business? Only if you wanted it to fail, right? Would you be happy with someone who lost all kinds of your money just to save their own hide? Of course not. If we are honest, we, maybe in a more respectful way, also ridicule this idea that Jesus posed to the church folks. And to bring in a hot topic of today, take a deep breath. Consider your view on the student loan forgiveness. In the light of all that God has to say about forgiving debts in Leviticus, every 50 years, the slate should be wiped clean of all debt. Mm. We come back with all kinds of responses like, don't borrow it if you can't pay it back. Or, I paid off all my loans 30 years ago. I didn't get a break. Why should they? 
Or maybe, why should my tax dollars pay for someone else's college education? But God says, every 50 years, all debts are to be forgiven. I wonder how many eyes would roll at that. How many eyebrows would be raised. But the truth is, or because the truth is, we are like the Pharisees. We are lovers of money. We wrestle with this text, and we're not alone in that. Part of the reason why it is so unwieldy, this reading, Margaret, it wasn't just you. Um, It's a little bit confusing is because the gospel writer was also stumbling over it. Commentators and and, um, people who do this kind of research think that some of the text we have now was not originally spoken by Jesus. It was added later in order to try and understand it or explain it. But one point of the story that can be teased out, remember that every parable has much more than one point. (laughs) Jim taught us that in one of his sermons, right? Jim did a whole sermon series on the parable, or a whole sermon on the parables. One point of the story is that the master obviously does not make money out to be as important as we do. A preacher once said, we print the words in God we trust right on the God we trust. We have a problem with money. We make it out to be more important than it actually is, or we try to hide our dependence upon it by not talking about it, or... We try to stash it away for a rainy day, but then we forget to look outside and see the downpour. I saw a meme that said if a a monkey started hoarding its food, it would be studied as an anomaly of nature. Why is it then that when a person does the same with money, it's celebrated by putting their their picture on the cover of Forbes? We have a problem with money because we are working under the economic rules of our culture. Part of the reason that this this, um, parable is so confusing is because of the translation. So dishonest wealth, those two words that um, Jesus uses repeatedly, the dishonest wealth that the master uh, mentions isn't dishonest because it's shady business dealings or they're trying to weasel their way out of paying taxes or bribing their way out of permits. Dishonest wealth is when we allow ourselves to get stuck in the ways of the broken and sinful world. Dishonest wealth is the currency that the empire uses to do business. It's the money in our wallets in our bank accounts, in our offering plates every week. Jesus is inviting us to let go of using money the way the world would have us use it 
and to use it to make way for a new way of living, a new way of being. Jesus says to use your money well. Use it for the kingdom of God. Use it for the kingdom of heaven. Use it for the purposes it's not really designed for. Use it to build community and to value people. Use it to rescue rather than to enslave. Use it to lift folks up and not push them down. Use it to give away and not to hoard. Over a last couple of weeks in a wide variety of settings, whether on one-on-one visits or committee meetings or in emails, the topic of money has come up in my life over and over and over again as it relates to this church. We've been in conversations about spending money, raising money, accounting for money, transparency around money. There have been some who have expressed the urgency for addressing our financial deficits. We're still around 20000 for this year, a deficit. There are some who um, are advocating for long-term planning, some who are worn out from fundraising, There are some who need to spend more in order or who argue that we need to spend more in order to make more money. There are some who say that the Wayne Church has been too focused on money lately and others who think it's too little too late and still others who only wish we had started talking about money sooner. It seems Jesus and the epistles, I would add, there's a whole lot of stuff about money in the letters too, Jesus talks about money because we spend a whole lot of time concerned with and talking about money. So let's just put it all out there. It's been said that the church is not a business and should not be run as such. And while I agree with the sentiment behind the statement, I can't completely agree Because the truth is, we need money to survive. To borrow from another time the Pharisees tried to trip Jesus up, we live in Caesar's world. And Jesus said, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, right? You and I and our families need money so that we can eat, so that we can provide shelter and heat and pay the electricity, and clothing. We need jobs to make that money or have had jobs that provide us with a retirement that keeps money coming in. And we need to be able to pay for the gas or the electricity for the cars that get us to those jobs. In a similar way, the church needs money to pay its bills. That's just the truth. There's nothing glamorous about paying for electricity or taking care of the steeple or having the furnaces cleaned. (laughs) And yet we know that those things need to be done in order for the building to last. It's over 200 years old. It's taken a lot of money to make this building last. 
It takes money in order for this building to be useful and for us to be comfortable when we're using it. And every organization needs to have transparency and accountability built into its systems so there are never questions about how much comes in, how much goes out, and where it goes. You know what I'm talking about, right? These are the realities of running an organization. But there are some very important ways that the church is different from a business. And it comes down to our purpose, our mission, and our vision. And in addition to that, Jesus has taught us we don't have to understand the economics of this world because that's not for us. Those are not the rules we should be using. Jesus tells us to break the laws of money that this world has laid out for us. Break the rule of getting all you can, no matter who gets hurt. Break the rule of measuring your value by how much you have. Break the rule by resisting that constant desire for more. Break the rule and change the world in which those who have money get to make the laws. John Wesley put it this way. Make all you can and save all you can so that you can give all you can. He and his brother started a publishing company. They published everything from pamphlets on Jesus's assurance of love and forgiveness to hymnals. They made all kinds of money and they never gave themselves a raise. They continued to live on the same salary, kept the same standard of living, and gave the rest away or invested it back into the publishing business so that they could print more, more hymnals, more pamphlets on God's love and forgiveness and grace to fulfill their mission And so here are the hard words that came to me while I was wrestling with this text. The church is called to be in mission to a world in desperate need of healing. And as those who call ourselves Christian, we need to ask ourselves, are we supporting the church's mission as much as we can? After all, isn't it our mission that sets us apart from other businesses or social groups? There are all kinds of wonderful nonprofits out there doing really good things. So what makes us different? I would argue it's the message of God's love and assurance. It's the message that this world is desperately seeking, a message of healing and hope and that message is most clearly heard through mission and outreach. If you've been to one of the Connect meetings, you've heard me say and seen the graph that shows that our current income covers our bills. We are taking care of our buildings. We're paying our staff. But the one commitment 
that we have not been able to meet is mission and outreach. Have you noticed that most of our mission and outreach programs involve you making donations of things like food and school supplies or Christmas gifts or Thanksgiving baskets? That's because we don't have a budget for those kinds of outreach. And we haven't been able to pay the mission shares that are part of the budget. Those are the funds, connectional funds, that go to help people in New England and other areas of the United States and around the world. Money that goes to missionaries and digging wells and funding education so they don't need big loans. What we're doing is paying our bills, just like everyone else. And Jesus warns us that it won't be easy living outside the laws of money, that we need to take small steps. We need to learn to be faithful in the small things, the daily things, the quickly forgotten and passed by things. And I believe that this is how we have challenged ourselves over the last few years. We've shifted our focus to reach those easily forgotten, like our elders, those rejected and marginalized, like our immigrant neighbors. We're using our greatest asset, our building, to reach a wide variety of folks in our community, aging at home, the quilters, the library, local neighborhood associations. We're inviting folks into our vision to build bridges of healing and hope with Partnerships like the Capital Area New Mainers Project and with projects of our own like the new audiovisual system Dream that would open the building and our resources even more widely. We're exploring earth stewardship projects like providing electrical vehicle charges, chargers, not because it's going to make us any money, but because it would be a benefit to our town and our neighborhood, to our world, as we work to decrease our carbon footprint. By the way, have you noticed our heat pumps? They're not quite finished yet. One person from the, those Connect meetings I was telling you about said to me that they have never seen the church so open to the whole community in the 50 years that they have lived in Wayne. 50 years. Jesus says, when you're faithful with the small things, then the big things, the true riches, relationship and family and hope and joy and justice and peace will be yours as well. Be faithful in the things that don't really belong to you. Give Caesar what is Caesar's. Then, you will be faithful with what is your own. And what is your own? Well, it's not the stuff in your wallet. It's not the stuff in your bank. It's not even the stuff in our offering plate. All of that belongs to the master. What is your own? Your soul, your salvation, your connections, your passions, and your ability to see the face of God in someone else. That 
is what is yours. That is the currency of the kingdom. And so I promised you that each week a blessing would come from our wrestling. And this is a Franciscan benediction that has been been rewritten by Josh uh, Spear. So I invite you to receive this gift from God. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deeply within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears, tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. And the blessing of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies be upon you and all that you love and pray for this day and forevermore. Amen.